0: Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham.
1: Hi everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode 35 of our Nature-Centered Podcast. And man, do we have a great show for you today. Yes, indeed. We have a special guest from Birds Canada to talk about their brand new Gardening for Birds program. Awesome program. Awesome guest today. This is not just for Canadians. This really will help. It's universal information we're going to talk about in regards to how you can help. You know, Brian and I, we push Habitat all the time. This will help you with more tips and tricks on your backyard habitat development.
2: Definitely, John, this is this is really gonna be an episode that you can really dig, no matter <laughs> where you live. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and, and like you said, it's pretty universal. We'll have some great tips and some really neat resources and can't wait to introduce you all to Natasha from Birds Canada. So let's get rolling. Absolutely.
1: Okay, Brian, we've got a big show today, but I did want to, We, you know, we, we typically talk about what we've seen, and of course, you and I have been on vacation for a while, and we're back. Yeah. I've been back for like, what, week, 10 days. It's been great. I've had fun, more fun watching what's been kind of changing in my backyard. We are getting to that season of change, migration. Oh, yeah. You know, I've, I really had some great birds this week. I, had, I was eating my breakfast this morning and watching out onto the, we have a little small patio deck on our back, and you know what I saw? What, what, what? A warbler. Already? Sweet. Already. And that's one that, you know, yeah. But it's bobbing its tail, bop, mm-hmm. bop, 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 white eye uh-huh. stripe, uh-huh. Louisiana water thrush on my yeah. deck. And, and it's just- On your bob. deck? Yeah. It's yard. just popping around, gets up on our table. I mean, it was there for probably three or four minutes. It was amazing. Wow. So, yeah, I was going to say, cool. maybe it
2: was a palm warbler. How they, they, they right. like to bop yeah. their little no, tail. Maybe with the yeah. grasses around, it's yeah. coming in, yeah. but no, the and little, little a, bit I, bigger I, warbler, the, the water yeah, thrush.
1: that's it's so cool. cool. It's cool. I had redstart cool. had, uh, red Star the mm-hmm. other day in the woods around my house. I've had oriole. I still have a male Oriole hanging around. And I, a big thrill, I had a summer tanager uh, repeatedly in my backyard in the last week or two. So that's been kind of, it's been a lot of cool things. We are getting to that point. Things are starting Mm -hmm. to loosen up. Things are starting to move. You're starting to see a bunch of youngsters showing up in your backyards.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I had a bunch of youngster American Robins. You know, that little creek that I installed and just the other day, the whole family showed up and they were all splashing like mad. I actually had to refill the, some water in the creek because <laughs> they were bathing so much and just throwing water everywhere is really, really fun to see. Um, but right now, you know, I haven't seen any of those early migrants coming back like those warblers and such, but the uh, hummingbirds. I now yeah. have a couple more hummingbirds coming yeah. to my feeders this week that weren't there earlier. And... uh there's a little bit of aggressiveness going on. I was sitting out by a hummingbird feeder in my front yard, just chilling out there and hummingbirds buzzing around and um, and then also in my parents' backyard this weekend and just sitting right next to a hummingbird and you you don't even have to see them coming. You can yep. hear them coming with those wing beats so fast. And you hear that. <laughs> like we talked about in that, that yeah. one uh, podcast yeah. episode, yeah. the dragsters of the bird world. I mean, you can hear them going.
1: Yeah. That's just so yeah. cool. You know, what's fun about that, Brian, and, and you, you're on the same page and, and we have been on beating the same drum for a long, long time about habitat and the improvements that it can make in your backyard oh, and reverse yes. the, just the general wildlife activity. And as we speak, I'm sitting here staring down a, a groundhog in my backyard. <laughs> you're he just came out, out of the, out the foliage and looked right by. at me. It's like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is all about that habitat and habitat improvements. And one of the things I've noticed in my yard, because I planted a lot more hummingbird friendly plants, mm-hmm. you know, those things like bergamot and, and a number of other different, you know, nectar bearing flowers. Yes. And the activity in my yard, you know, on the, on the flowers, uh, has been more than I've ever had before. It's really been fun to watch. And they seem, it's just fun to watch them go from flower to flower to flower to flower. It's just oh, its yeah. just a cool thing to watch. So wow. yeah, it's all about the habitat. Yes, so for sure. that's what our show today is all about. So and obviously Birds Canada is out of Canada, but the information is universal. And it's really great for all of us, you know, in the lower 48 states to learn more about the different things we can do to improve our wildlife habitat in our yards.
2: Yes, John, gardening for birds really actually is a universal thing. It doesn't matter where you live. And we have listeners across the world, but so many in the U.S. and in Canada, that we're excited to have our guest today from Birds Canada, talking all about gardening for birds, Natasha Barlow.
0: Hello, thanks yeah, so much welcome. for for having me. I also thought it was going to be a palm warbler, so I'm with you, Ryan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's more of a backyard I bird, a palm I warbler. It.
0: I was not <laughs> expecting Louisiana water. <laughs> thresh, no, but, I mean, well, kudos to you. Me, when, I,
1: when I looked out there and saw it, I was just stunned. It was like, really? So that was very cool. Uh, yeah,
2: habitat, the right kind of habitat, man. John gets all sorts of cool birds.
0: You'd be surprised, really. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we've talked about it numerous times, Natasha, on this. I mean, this is our, what, 35th episode? And I dare to say at least half of our episodes, we brought something up about habitat and the need Mm -hmm. to bring habitat as an important part of bringing nature and birds into your backyard. So we always love it when, you know, quite often we just kind of superficially touch on it and and really illustrate the importance. But we always love it when we have somebody like yourself and Bird Study or Birds Canada, used to be called Bird Studies Canada, by the way, Mm But Birds Canada, you know, with your new program to really dive into it and give people resources and help on how they can do things in their yard to make a big difference.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert gardener by any means, but even just like moving to a house and there's like, you know, a little water feature. It's just, it's a really easy thing that everyone can do. Like you said, it's it's worldwide, but of course the resources are targeted more to North America, but there's so much information, Mm -hmm. so much easy information that you can do to just, make a difference.
2: Oh, for sure. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get into birds? I mean, you were working for like a world premier organization that's all about bird conservation, right?
0: Wow, I need to tell our communications team that. That was a <laughs> high
2: praise. Oh
0: my, I'm sweating. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up in southwestern Ontario, close to Point Pelee National Park that I'm sure some listeners might have heard of if they're into birds, bird migration at all. And I didn't appreciate it at all. (laughs) Um, And so I think it was in high school and my dad who was a birder grew up on a farm, started getting into you know, birds later in life. Um, He would always want to go birding and I would never want to go because I was too cool. And then it wasn't until like second year of my undergraduate degree where I was like, this is kind of like a scavenger hunt for these beautiful creatures. This, these, and I grew up with Pokemon and, you know, we don't keep the birds, but it's these beautiful kind of Pokemon creatures. And then from there, it kind of blossomed into what it is today.
1: So Natasha, can you give us a little more background about Birds Canada and, you know, where it started, where it came from, who 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 it is, what they do?
0: <laughs> so, Birds Canada, we actually are historically connected to what's called the Long Point Bird Observatory, which is long-term monitoring bird observatory on the north shore of Lake Erie and so our national headquarters are in Port Rowan but we do have offices across Canada we have individuals in Ottawa and Quebec we have individuals in New Brunswick the prairies BC we are all essentially just trying to work towards bird conservation whether it's you know working with citizen scientists working with school groups whether it's doing research on loons or marsh monitoring whether we're working on the Fraser Estuary In British Columbia, whether we're doing breeding bird atlases in Ontario or Newfoundland or the prairies. And so it's really just about different ways to help birds, wild birds, and keeping common birds common.
1: Yeah, you guys also do solid owl banding in the fall, which is something I've gotten into in the last couple of years myself. And you guys do huge numbers up there.
0: Long Point Bird Observatory is a fantastic place to visit. I know it's a little bit hard to visit right now. For, <laughs> um, but yeah, the owl banding, their adorable sawwits are yeah, yeah. super cute and they get incredible numbers yeah. there. Really 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 great bird observatory.
1: So, talk to us a little bit about the uh, the program, you know, the the mission of birds Canada and and why you've come up with the gardening for birds.
0: Yeah, so Birds Canada, I can like read you our mission statement essentially, but we really just try, (laughs) (laughs) our mission is to conserve, yeah, well it is, to conserve wild birds through various means, whether it's, you know, sound science, on the ground action, conservation, citizen science, public engagement, partnerships, and that kind of thing. But aside from that, we really strive to be Canada's voice for birds. And so Mm -hmm. that involves really everyone. It's not, also, it's not just Canada. These birds are moving. They're not Contra- like constrained by borders. They're going to the southeast. They're going to Panama. They're going to Costa Rica through their migration overwintering. And so it's really about working with everyone. How do we conserve wild birds through different means? And gardening for birds, um, we're very lucky to have Wild Birds Unlimited online to really help support this initiative. I think it's a great partnership. It's really about how do we engage people? How do we give them something that they can actually work towards and empowering people to kind of be a part of that conservation movement wherever you are to really help birds at your own doorsteps? And so that's the Kind of background behind why we created Gardening for Birds and why it kind of fits together with Birds Canada's overall mission of how do we actually conserve wild birds because conservation is about people. It's about getting people on board and so that's how we're trying to recreate that habitat to reduce the influence of habitat loss and destruction and fragmentation to really help birds along, whether they're overwintering, whether they're on their migration, whether they're resident birds, like your woodpeckers that are there year round, or whether they're just breeding. And so that's kind of why we came up with this Gardening for Birds initiative.
2: That's fabulous. And, and, you know, you look at, birds really don't pay attention to borders. And (laughs) you've got the US and Canada, we're on the same continent. And we, we actually share so many different birds. Yeah. Birds really are all over the place. Some are residential and stay in their the places year round. But then you have all these others that move across our own continent, let alone into South America. And how I'm really excited that you know, Wild Birds Unlimited and Birds Canada are great partners. And yeah. the same, it's all hand in hand. That conservation and opening people's eyes and helping them find the joy of birds And from Wild Birds Unlimited's standpoint, it's right in your own backyard. And then for Birds Canada, I mean, we have all sorts of different franchise stores in Canada as well. But I love that we're really drilling down to, wow, how can we start not just feeding the birds in our backyard with products and, and foods that you can buy, but with native plantings?
0: Yeah, exactly. You see hummingbirds coming to your feeder or you see, you know, black-capped chickadees, American goldfinches coming to your feeder and finding that appreciation for them, and then also seeing them, you know, in the summer, choose different sources of food, maybe not so much at your feeder, or even into the fall and winter when we are supplementing with bird feeders, but also they're choosing those seed heads on the flowers that we think is beautiful. But then they're also using that as a resource for shelter and for food later in the fall and winter. And so it's really about that overall life cycle, that year round beautification of your garden that you can enjoy, but also how do you help birds wherever you're located, regardless of where they are in their life cycle, which is, I think, a great
1: partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing I love about this is it fits the model. Doug Tallamy is a uh, author, uh, college professor, has written a number of books about native plants and the benefits to wildlife and birds and, and uh, not only to the wildlife, but to your own backyard, you know, to your own lifestyle, because all the beautification that happens in your backyard is beneficial to the, the, the birds and the insects and the wildlife. And, and it's a simple solution. You know, talk about typically conservation has meant sacrifice, giving up something, doing without something. And it's all for some long-term remote potential gain down the line, you know, decades down the line or, or even, you know, years down the line. Doing the native habitat, doing the gardening for birds and wildlife in your backyard is a very positive. There's no downside to this whatsoever. It's a beautiful, positive thing. Not only did you get the beauty of the wildflowers, but you get all the wildlife, all the insects, all the, the uh, birds, the mammals, all the other things that come. So it's a very positive thing. So thrilled to death that you guys have got the, the gardening for birds. Uh, who can participate and what are some of the resources and, and, you know, how's the program actually work?
0: If I say everyone can participate, is that <laughs> <laughs> everyone There you go. There you go. I love it. I but love but it. but you can. I mean, so essentially what we've done, um, birdgardens.ca, it's this web online resource. It's been a long time coming. I know it adds a little bit to a lot of the other resources that are already out there, but it's more focused on on birds specifically, but also wildlife and pollinators as well. And so birdgardens.ca, it's this website that we created. It kind of goes through our three-step plan on how to actually develop your your bird garden. Mm -hmm. But it's really about, you know, step one is getting curious about your outdoor space. What kind of environment do you have? Do you have full sun environment? Do you have shady environment? What kind of moisture conditions do you have in the soil? How does it look in your neighborhood? Do you want to look at your surrounding habitat? Do you want to maybe add to a little bit of a woodlot? Or is there a neighborhood our agricultural sector that you want to add grasslands to? Is there a green space that you want to supplement or do you want to add to or change up the diversity to change up the flora and the fauna that you're getting at your habitat? And then finding out where you're actually located and primarily is the, in Canada, but also along the Northern US as well, you can use our interactive map. You can figure out what we call them bird garden zones their climactic zones, their bird diversity regions, their horticultural zones. They're all created by a a master gardener, an expert horticulturalist who kind of came up with these 22 different zones across Canada and again, the Northern US to figure out what native plants, what naturally occurring plants are more likely to be successful in your region based on step one, which is your environmental conditions. Mm -hmm. And then the last step is just filtering and customizing your list, kind of like a shopping cart, but we're not selling anything, of just figuring out what plants are going to be in your bird garden zone, what plants do you want to have wildlife features, do you want cones for winter finches, do you want, you know, nectars for hummingbirds and other species, and then creating your customized list that you can just go to your nursery, you can either print it out, you can email it to yourself, and just start gardening for birds today by visiting birdgardens.ca. And so that's kind of the, the, the overall web platform, but we also have videos associated with that. So it's not just text that you're reading. It's, you know, more evocative imagery and videography and, videos in that way as well and as different have some actions.
2: great videos in there good educational yeah. Well, videos yeah. yeah
0: well thanks to our our uh, editor for that <laughs> greg <laughs> mclaughlin from work cabin does amazing work making us not uh incredibly awkward so <laughs> kudos to him kudos to him
2: we might know something about that doing a, a regular yeah. podcast and having an awesome producer i was gonna say can you say evan yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> everything's one take no no yeah, that's right.
1: everything everything our secret, uh, really, our secret is safe with you huh that's
0: right <laughs> no one's hearing this
1: well i do find that you're approaching as you mentioned there are other resources out there with different organizations and, and uh, websites. I really did appreciate your your approach to this, you know, looking at the soil, looking at your neighborhood, looking at your location, looking at the, all the different variables. I, I don't see many of the other resources broadening out to that. So I think, again, when we talk about this being valuable, not only to the folks in Canada, but just universally, I think that alone gives you a lot of information that is a different way of looking at it as you're getting ready to do these changes in your yard and bring in the native plants. Mm-hmm. This really gives you an idea where to start. And you're exactly right. Actually, I went through a couple of weeks ago and went through, you know, the process to see how it would work for me. And I believe Indiana is in zone 16.
0: It is. And yes. And
1: I went through the plants and looked at the different plants that it was recommending for zone 16. And you know what? spot on. Most of the plants there yeah. were things that I either already have in my yard or things that I desire to have in my yard. So yeah, very well done. Yeah, I'm John, glad. you talk
2: about those zones and Natasha. I was really, really pleased to see how far a lot of those zones come into uh, those northern states. And John, like you're talking about Indiana as part of it. And I'm like, wow, it goes that far south. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Which
2: was really cool. Yeah. One of my favorites, Natasha, is People get into, okay, I want to do more native plants. I want to attract more birds and help them out that way. Uh, I just don't know really anything about gardening. (laughs) And I love that three-step process, but one of those resources, the fact sheets. Tell us about those. I think those are the most amazing resource.
0: The fact sheets, yes. Honestly, that's kind of where it began. It began with how do we give people just quick information to get them you know, whet their appetite for more. And so it kind of began with the idea of fact sheets, and then it kind of blew up into what it is now. But the fact sheets, they're just two pages, front and back. You can look at them online. They're in our additional resources section that also lists a lot of the other databases and resource across the United States actually has a lot more external ones than Canada, I found. Um, but you can just print them off. It gives you a little bit of information on your bird garden zone. It gives you a little information on why are we suggesting gardening for birds? It's for birds and other wildlife and also us. And then it gives you 10 plants that we kind of have pre-selected for you. Of course, there is, the there's a button, disclaimer right? with that <laughs> of like, it might not work for your environment. It's right. So, but you know, 10 pre-selected plants of these are things that you can consider planting in your environment. Just to yeah, what your appetite. Here's some quick information and go from there.
2: But everyone's yard's a different size or uh, kind of a different composition. Um, so what if you have a little tiny yard? Can you even make a difference?
0: You don't have to have these giant acreages. My mm-hmm. my supervisor, he had a tiny little semi-detached in Toronto, like the concrete jungle of Toronto and Ontario. And he had, I think, 80 species of birds pass through over the years. And then he sold it to a friend who also continued that tradition of gardening for birds. And they're up to like over 120 species. That might sound not like a huge yard list, but in the middle of a concrete jungle, where it's just a tiny little semi detached home with a tiny little backyard. Mm-hmm. They just garden for birds. They just created this like beautiful oasis where they had species just passing through, stopping, fox sparrows just stopping for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I it's really that. about small differences, they make a difference. You can yes. introduce native naturally occurring plants that the wildlife are more accustomed to over time. You don't have to start big. If you're in an apartment building, there's other consumer choices that you can choose. You can supplement with bird feeders. You can put a water feature, just a small bird bath. I've already seen three t- solitary sandpapers coming back to our like little stream. <laughs> mm. uh, nice. Contrary to their name, <laughs> <Nice>. solitary. <laughs> yeah. but there's three hey, of them. Hey, they, hey. I know. <laughs> <laughs> But they've, but they've come back. We had a greater yellow legs on our stream just for weeks in spring migration before it moved on to the boreal. And it really is just about starting small. Just You don't have to rip out all of your exotic plants. Just there, there,
1: start small. Another, another thing I was, it just dawned on me, Brian, we got a really nice uh, testimonial. Uh, oh, yes, we do. About this very subject. I don't know if you want to read I would, it. There. I would
2: be happy to read it. Yeah, Natasha, I think you're going to love this because this fits perfectly. So one of our listeners reached out. He writes, I thought you would enjoy a picture of my current backyard setup. I wanted to let you know that I love the podcast, especially how focused you are on implementing native plants into the garden. Since 2019, I've been slowly replacing my lawn with natives. I've noticed so many more birds and other wildlife since doing this. It works, guys! (laughs) So when my birds aren't eating at my feeders, I constantly see them picking off insects on my native plants, as well as eating the plant seeds. It's so rewarding to see my hard work paying off and to see the plants I choose for the garden are not just pretty, but also benefit the ecosystem. I will continue to add natives each year and hopefully reach my goal of having Half of my one acre lot filled with natives, not boring fescue. So thanks and keep up the great work.
0: That is so encouraging. It's so refreshing to hear. I have a huge smile. I know you can't see me, but I do have a huge (laughs) smile. It's just like start in the corner of your lawn you know, reduce your lawn cover. It's so much costly maintenance and time. Just start, let it go wild, have some brush piles. And then just seeing that, and you know, you can hear kind of the enthusiasm, I know Brian's reading it, but you can hear the enthusiasm in the words of like, Mm -hmm. it's beneficial for people. It's beneficial for people looking for something to do going into fall and winter and our mental health during this whole period. And so it's, it's just a really overall, great thing I know I'm incredibly biased but (laughs) I'm not a gardener but I am a birder and it's just yeah Mm -hmm. I I love to hear that
1: and we always talk about you know there's 44 million acres of turf grass in North America 44 Mm -hmm. million acres can you imagine if everybody took half (laughs) their lawn and turned it into native habitat Mm -hmm. you know 22 million acres of additional habitat for birds and wildlife mind-blowing truly mind-blowing the difference that that would truly make. It works. We'll start
2: bringing more butterflies back. We'll start bringing more birds back and we'll have them. I think the best part too is we'll have them right in our own backyards.
0: How fast Mm -hmm. things come back. Mm -hmm. There's a garden. We were just talking about it. There's a garden again in Southern Ontario, just started planting some native plants in. He started reducing some of the lawn cover and just transitioning it. And it has absolutely exploded this year it's one year in the making and just the colors like you have beautiful reds and yellows and purples for people and just the pollinators and the birds like it's just loud it's buzzing. Mm -hmm.
2: Natasha I know that uh, Birds Canada has started a podcast recently and I you clued us in on that and I listened to some of the episodes so really enjoying them and it's all about bird conservation but what's it called?
0: all the warblers it's (laughs) with andreas and andrea two a's and they are doing a really great job if you want to learn about anything from wildlife filmmaking to fruginous hawks and piping clovers and the prairies um, gardening for birds if you're not tired of me talking i did do one there loons and i know they have a lot more planned
1: yeah if you can't get enough uh, content about birds from our podcast Be sure to head over and listen to the Warbler podcast from Birds Canada. Well, Natasha, I'd like to really, really, truly thank you for coming on with us today. It's been a blast, an absolute blast. And I'd like to thank Birds Canada for their efforts in the Gardening for Birds program. That's awesome. And I know it took a huge amount of effort on your organization's part to make that come to to fruition Wild Birds Unlimited is thrilled to death to be a sponsor of of the Gardening for Birds. Most definitely. Yeah, so we're thrilled to death. And and is there any any other thing that you'd like to share today?
0: Well, thank you once again for asking me to be on. It's great hearing the stories. It's great hearing your stories. And again, yes, very, very, very happy that um, we were able to bring this partnership to fruition. It's a great partnership. I think we'll be able to make some some actual changes. And that's, that's the takeaway. You can make changes. Mm-hmm. You can you can do it. Whoever is listening, you can be in an apartment building. You can put up a little feeder. You can make consumer choices. It, whether you're on a large acreage, you can just let part of your lawn go wild. We can make a difference. And so I really would just encourage people to start small and gradually get bigger.
2: That's the best way. And I think you kind of blew some people's minds earlier, Natasha, when you said... That, that one little, in the middle of Toronto concrete jungle, I, over a hundred bird species passing through that little tiny bird gardening area because of the native plants. And I, I know there are some people going, I could get that many different species passing through my yard. That's, 100%. It's incredible. So on behalf of Wild Birds Unlimited, I wanna thank everyone for joining us and especially Natasha, thank you for joining us on our Nature Centered Podcast.
1: And yes, everyone, please join us next time. We're going to talk about your favorite backyard fuzzy little critter, squirrels. Bite them or feed them. Up to you. But as always, until then, we're going to let nature be our guide. And so Brian and I both ask you to please take care and be safe.
2: Thanks for joining us, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered.